we come to thinking about patience. What it means to be a patient, spirit-filled follower of Jesus. To help us to make a conscious decision to help forgive those who have wronged us. That's what we're thinking about this morning. And I wonder, how are you with patience? As we take some time to think about what it means to be not short-tempered, but to be long-tempered, to be long-suffering, to, to put up with others, to put up with our own failings. What is it we're thinking about when we come to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, to be filled with love, with joy, with peace, and with patience? A man went to his doctor complaining about terrible neck pains, throbbing headaches, and dizzy spells. The doctor examined him and said, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. You only have six months to live. The doomed man decided he would spend his remaining time on earth enjoying himself. He told his boss what he thought of him, he quit his job. Then he took all his money out of the bank and he bought a brand new sports car. Then he decided to get 10 new suits and 15 pairs of new shoes. Then he went to get himself a dozen tailored shirts. He went to the finest shop he could find. The tailor measured and wrote down his neck was 16 inches. Wait a minute, the man interrupted. I always wear a size 14 neck, and that's what I want. The tailor replied, I'm glad to do it for you, sir. However, if you wear a size 14 neck, you're going to get terrible neck pains, throbbing headaches, and dizzy spells. Too often, people, by no means of their own fault, drive us up the way. And that's the problem, isn't it? People drive us up the wall with their annoying habits, they grate our nerves, so much so that we either explode or we try and run away, and in lockdown we often can run away from the folks we love the most, but they drive us up the wall the most. We find it very hard to forgive. You and I find it difficult to forgive when people have hurt us and hurt ones we love. We try and put out our love on those who are totally insensitive to us. We draw them out, we ask questions, but they show no interest in learning or even listening to us. It drives us up the wall. We find it hard to be patient and forgive. Patience refers to the prolonged restraint of anger. We speak of people being short-tempered. Well, a patient person is long-tempered. And only with God's Spirit dwelling in us can we grow the fruit of the Spirit and especially patience. For some of us more than others, I think, we're probably honest in saying. So what are your pet peeves? If I was to say, I can't stand it when people dot, 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 what would you say? There's a story of the lady of the house who was giving last minute instructions to her butler before the start of a huge dinner being held at her estate. And she said, Bentley, I want you to stand at the front door and call the guests' names as they arrive. Very well, ma'am, replied the butler. I've been wanting to do that for many, many years. In Matthew 18, verse 1, the disciples want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who is the greatest? Is it me or is it him? Who is the greatest? And Jesus' reply is that the greatness in the kingdom is dependent on living a life of forgiveness and mercy. 
So let's read Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he be had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denaro. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had the mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured, until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Looking through this passage, how do you feel? What contrasts do you see that are going on? The rabbis of Jesus and Peter's time taught that a repeated sin would be forgiven three times, and then that was it. So when Peter asks his question, verse 21, how many times should I do it? Seven times? He's probably thinking that he has been very generous. Double it and add one. I wonder if you've probably done the same thing. You've said to someone who's hurt you and hurt you in the past, I will forgive you again. This is the last time. After that, you are done. Now, it may be hard to see the link of forgiveness with patience, but I think there is a clear connection there. God is long-tempered. He's patient with us, patient in his forgiveness of us. And as his spirit fills us up, it results in the same for us. We become more patient with others as we recognise how patient God is with us. And I'm so thankful for that. There's a chap called Carl Boyle and he shares a story of when he was driving home one time and he saw a group of young children and they were, you know how they, 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 they don't do it anymore, they, they had a lemonade stand on the corner of his street and they'd posted the usual typical hand-scrawled sign over their stand, lemonade. 10 pence ago. So Carl was intrigued, he pulled over, he went up and spoke to the young man and the young man said, he would. He asked if he would like 
really lemony lemonade or just regular lemonade? And he said, just regular. He placed his order and he handed the boy 20p. After much deliberation, the children then determined he had some change coming and they rifled through their, their little box and came up with the correct amount. The boy then returned the change and then he stood by the side of the car and he asked if Carl was finished drinking his lemonade. Just about, said Carl. Why? The wee boy said, well, that's the only cup we have and we need it to stay in business. If we are only about one thing, if we are only about doing just what is necessary, we miss what the gospel is all about. In both the New Testament and the Old Testament, God's patient forbearance, his long-suffering, his patience represents both the restraint of his anger and his display of his mercy in the face of provocation. In other words, God's patience stands between what we deserve because of the way we live our lives and, and his grace which is poured out for us. Eventually we recognise it is Jesus who bears it all and releases that grace and holds back, holds back the justice that we all need. In this parable, God's patience is illustrated by the fact that he forgives us no matter how many times or how greatly we sin against him. His treatment of us then becomes the standard of our treatment of others. We're not to have just one cup of forgiveness. We're to have many, many cups of forgiveness. Think about someone who has hurt you over and over. How do you feel about Jesus' answer in verse 22, where he says 70 times 7, or in the NIV, 77 times? Whatever it is, the point is really that we should never stop forgiving, as God keeps forgiving us. And then Jesus' reply to Peter is then enlarged by this parable. And in verses 23 to 25, we discover that the first servant is, in fact, in dire straits. Now, we don't know how he managed, but he has ended up in debt up to and beyond his eyeballs. 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents. Now, one talent was worth about 20 years wages for a labourer. An amount he somehow managed to spend, but there's no way he could ever hope to repay. Today, it would be like us being up to rise in billions of pounds of debt. It would take him in his work, roughly 200,000 years to pay back. Yet, somehow, beyond his wildest dreams, his boss takes pity on him and lets him off with a debt, freeing him and his family from a life of servitude and slavery. Jesus is showing how much we are forgiven beyond anything we can ever do on our own. He takes pity on us. He showers us in his grace when we call upon him for mercy. God is good. God is so good. But of course, you probably know this parable very well. There comes the shocking twist. Verses 28 to 30. 
the fellow servant who doesn't who doesn't owe an insignificant amount about three months wages for them but it is still trivial compared to what the first servant has just been let off with the fellow servant also says i will be patient please be patient with me i will pay it back just be patient with me but the first servant's patience is all out for some reason has he got a short memory is he just thick is he stupid or is he mean did he want to get more money so he could spend it and get <clears throat> into more trouble than he was in the first place? Here's the deal. If we fail to treat others with patience and forgiveness, God will treat us as we treat them. Verses 34 and 35. It seems harsh, but probably fair. And in fact, although it sounds tough, it actually feels right, doesn't it? That we are treated by the way that we treat others. It might be a wake-up call for us all. So what is our answer to the problem of forgiveness? Well, when you look at verses 32 to 35 in this passage, compared with Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, you recognise that you're told if you forgive, you will be forgiven. And if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. So being patient is actually a salvation issue. When we refuse to forgive the wrongs done to us, and we aren't saying we're welcoming people back with open arms or allowing them in to do it again, but what we are saying is that we forgive them as God has forgiven us. We are cutting ourselves off when we don't forgive. We're cutting ourselves off from the fellowship of God and with God, the forgiver. So until we can forgive, we are putting ourselves, and it's our choice, in a position having blocked the channel of God's forgiveness, which he is holding out to us. Those who have been forgiven because of what Jesus has done, I include me and you in that, should make it their business to make their treatment of others as unmistakable evidence of their gratitude and our dependence on God. But we also need to remember that this was a parable given by Jesus to correct the legalism of the religious in his day. To speak to his disciples, to tell them that you can't just do enough to get by. We can't just do the bare minimum to tick all the boxes, as the Pharisees were often so guilty of. You and I, we need to go the extra mile and ask for the Spirit to grow that fruit from love, from joy, from peace, and to give us patience, to love even when it hurts, and to be the long-tempered people. So take a moment to think what it means for God to be patient with you. And when you and I receive that, doesn't it help us to be patient with others? So how do we process this? How do we apply this to our lives? One of the greatest deterrents to our spiritual progress is in fact our inability to shake off the things done to us by others. We can't get on with our lives, we can't do it 
because we are still so angry and hurt by another's sins against us. We must find ways of redirecting our anger and our antagonism into something better. We must channel our hurt, our anger, our despair and our disappointment into something positive. Let go. Unpack the baggage. Stop wallowing in the quagmire of the past. How about you get your passport stamped and move on to higher ground, to your next destination. Jesus calls his disciples in Matthew 10. If the people do not receive you, don't get stuck. Don't waste your life away, crying crocodile tears. Shake the dust from your feet and keep on moving. Don't get put in spiritual, emotional and psychological jail by all the things that other people do to you. After it's done, don't give them the keys to your jail cell by living in solitary confinement of unhappiness and pain. You and me, we need to get out of that jail. We need to pass go, we need to collect £200. I'd love you to read this week Luke 23 verses 32-46 and let those words sit, soak in do this week. As you see what Jesus does and says as he's dying on the cross, I guarantee it will help us to make a conscious decision to forgive others and to be more patient with them. Is there someone in your life who has really hurt you? Someone you know you should forgive but you can't? Talk honestly to God about that person. Pour out all your heart and your anger and your hurt to the one who knows about it all already. In his book, Disappointment with God, Philip Yancey relates a very touching story from his own life. One time on a visit to his mother, who had been widowed many years earlier, in the month of Philip's first birthday, in fact. So they spent the afternoon together looking through a box of old photos. And a certain picture of him as an eight-month-old baby caught his eye. It was tarred and it was bent and it looked too banged up to be worth keeping. So he asked her, Mum, why? There's so many other better pictures of him. Why did she keep this one? So then she told the story of why she kept this battered picture. She explained to me that she'd kept this photo as a memento because during his father's illness, it had been fastened to his iron lung. During the last four months of his life, Yancey's father lay on his back, completely paralyzed by polio at the age of 24. He was encased from the neck down in a huge cylindrical breathing unit with his two young sons banned from visiting him, banned from the hospital due to the severity of his illness. All he had, all he asked for from his wife was pictures of her and their two boys. Because he was unable to move even his head 
the photos had to be jammed in between metal controls and knobs and all sorts of stuff so that they hung within view above him. The only thing that he could see. The last four months of his life were spent looking at the faces he loved. Philip writes on, I've often thought of that crumpled photo, for it's one of the few links connecting me to the stranger who was my father. Someone I have no memory of, no sensory knowledge of, who spent all day every day thinking of me, devoting himself to me and loving me. And Yancey continues, the emotions I felt when my mother showed me the crumpled photo were the very same emotions I felt that February night in a college dorm room when I first believed in a God of love. Someone is there, I realized. Someone is there who loves me. It was a startling feeling of wild hope, a feeling so new and overwhelming that it seemed fully worth risking my life on. Folks, what will you risk your life for? Will you give your life for him? Look at that cross. Look at Jesus there giving it for you. Spend time with God, asking him to make you more sensitive to what he has done for you. Regardless of your feelings this day, ask him for the courage to forgive those who have wronged you. Let's be people of courage, of forgiveness, of spirit-filled and full of patience. Not just for ourselves, but for the glory of the kingdom. And let's be the hope of this world. Let's bring love and let's bring healing today. May it begin with us. Let the healing begin and may it begin with us we who are God's beloved children. Let us pray. Father, we come knowing your amazing grace, but sometimes we struggle to let that grace flow to those who have hurt us and our loved ones. Lord, may we be people of forgiveness, and may you grow a heart of patience and love in us. Lord, equip us to deal with all that we face in your strength. Give us the courage to forgive Give us the strength to forgive, for we know we cannot do it in our own strength. Spirit, fill us to overflow. And may we, may we, in your strength, change this world. In Jesus' name we pray.